Listen, if you're here for the first time, I just want to say again, uh, welcome to you. My name's Phil. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here, and it's just an incredible privilege that you would choose to be with us. You could be anywhere uh, this morning, but you've chosen to be with us, and that means a huge amount to us. Um, so thanks very much, and I hope you're having a good morning. Um, you're finding me here uh, this morning at the end of a two-week holiday, uh, hence the, uh, the beard. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I, 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 did, I did think to myself, you know, am I looking more and more as the days go on like Ben Affleck? <laughs> or am I, in fact, looking more and more like a cheesy what's-it? <laughs> there's there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of ginger going on. It may be more than you can cope with. Uh, but just try and listen. Just try and listen along. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to be with you. This morning, okay. Um, I thought this morning that um, uh, I would talk about. Um, I know it's seasonal, the Christmas story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, it's, it's freezing, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. It feels like winter most of the time. Uh, so let's just pretend for a second that it's actually still Christmas, uh, because I just uh, I was just reading the first couple of chapters of Matthew, and just felt God speak to me about it um, for where we are at just now as a church, and kind of uh, following on, I suppose, from what Andy's been sharing really for the last couple of weeks. So if you were here, um, then uh, then you kind of, he's been, he's been speaking into really about the church learning to, to welcome God when he comes um, we haven't really been good at that historically, uh, but we're, we're learning. And um, it often is helpful, I find, this is true in, uh, in the natural, in my job as a, as a teacher, for a kid to hear the same information told by a slightly different person because they'll say it in a slightly different way and maybe they'll get it a bit better um, from somebody else. So it's, 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 it's on a theme, but it's it's... I've got a different perspective on it. So, um, so we're, we're in Matthew uh, chapter 1, first of all. Uh, I'm going to read from verse 18 to 25, and then we're going to skip ahead to, to chapter 2. So, I mean, it's, it, it's a bit like when you, when you hear a Christmas song, you know, in June. It, there's just something about it that just feels weird. You ever had that experience? You know, somebody puts it on. Uh, it's a bit like this when we're, we're reading this, but we're just going to all try and get past that. And, uh, and see what this is saying to us. Uh, okay, so Matthew chapter 1 and, and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. It feels good to hear that, even though it's April. Uh, and then if we're going to skip, we're just going to skip ahead to, to, to Matthew chapter 2. And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, in, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, who is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means the least of the rulers of, among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who shall be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, they did not return to Herod. They departed their own country by another way. And then if we skip down to verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that they had been, he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. For those who have sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and his mother, and they went back to the land of Israel. Quite a long bit for us to read this morning, but I hope it's going to be worth it. Okay, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that your presence is among your people. Jesus, I thank you that you promised that you would send the Holy Spirit and that he would be our teacher. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is, this is you, your work this morning, Lord. This is, this is your business to come among your people and open our hearts, Lord, to what you've got to say to us. And God, I just pray that you would, you would speak to us. Why don't you just, where you are, just open your heart. Say, Jesus, here I am. I want to learn something this morning from you. Holy Spirit, I want to hear what you've got from me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Okay, Uh, so 
we often talk and uh, or we have been talking recently about about what God seems to be doing right now uh, in the world and and it's really important that we have that perspective because God is doing wonderful things with us and and we're seeing things that to be honest when you know I've I've been a Christian for almost 12 years and some of you I know have been Christians a lot longer than that um and things when I got saved that I kind of dreamed of seeing people getting healed or um you know right before my eyes things like that and and suddenly these things are starting to happen and and we're kind of hearing stories from all over the world about you know God doing incredible things and it's really important that we understand that we're being caught up in something that's far bigger than Hope Church I mean Hope Church is amazing and I love it uh, but it's bigger than that. It's way, way bigger than that. It's, in fact, it's bigger than any of you or I could possibly imagine, because if we could imagine it, then it would somehow be reducing God and putting him into a box. And, and we're actually, you know, we have just this amazing privilege of being caught up in what he is doing. And really, this, um, how we can best respond to what uh, God is doing and how we kind of get more and more caught up in what he's doing is kind of what I want to talk about this morning because I guess the birth of Jesus has to go down as pretty much one of the great if not the great test move of God in the history of mankind for God did just something mind-blowing he became a man and and dwelt among us, he became a little baby like, like Maisie, you know. And you just think, wow, it's, it's an extraordinary thing. But there are three distinct reactions that we can detect in what we've read this morning to this phenomenal move of God. I mean, you know, a move of God, it sounds great. And, and even that God would become a baby. Everybody loves babies. You would think that everyone would be happy about this. But in fact, as we'll see, there are three distinct reactions. Two of them are good. One of them is not. But the important thing to say also is that the two that are good look very different. Very, very different. And one of the things that we're going to have to learn as we walk this journey is to learn to celebrate the fact that we're different. The fact that actually I am not like you. I know that that might be easy for you to celebrate. <laughs> that you're not like me. Uh, but, but, but actually difference, differences can be a very difficult thing to work out. We, we kind of want everybody to be the same. And when people aren't like us, we get afraid of them and we want to control them. And, you know, we have long, there's a long history of, of that kind of behavior in the church. It's going on all the time in the world. And actually, we're not going to do what Jesus said, which is show the world that we belong to him by the way we love each other, unless we figure out the fact that we can be different and yet still be pursuing ultimately the same thing. And that's really what I think this passage is about. So we've got three different groups of people. Uh, uh, reactions. One are seekers, uh, another one is confused slightly, and the other one is insecure. We're going to deal, first of all, with the seekers, the wise men. Wise men. Okay, 
Now, the, the wise men, I just want to make a few points about, uh, about them, about who they are and, uh, and what they're all about and what I think they can teach us this morning. Um, the wise men are slightly strange and mysterious people. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of detail. We don't even know that there are three of them, although you're already thinking about three, uh, because, you know, because of the three gifts. And, you know, there's, there's some kind of apocryphal writing about them, some kind of early church traditions, but really we don't know a great deal about them. Some people would speculate that they were kind of, they were coming in from the kind of Persian um, region, you know, to the east. Uh, you know, perhaps they were familiar with, um, you know, the writings of Daniel, people like that. You know, so perhaps they were kind of looking for something, but, but maybe they weren't. The, the truth is, they're kind of mysterious people. Um, but they're, they're, you might even say they're a bit weird. And let's be honest, we've got, we've got a few of them among us. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what they don't look like? They don't look like reli- they don't look like the religious types. They're not even from Israel. This is this is this is the Jewish Messiah that's being born. It's really striking that these are people who are coming from outside of God's people, but they're the ones who say we've been waiting for Him. Isn't that isn't that funny? And, and how, how, did they, how did they discern that, uh, that this amazing move of God was happening? Well, they were looking at the heavens. Isn't that interesting? You know, they were, they were the sort of weirdos that wander around in fields looking at the sky. <laughs> but from this strange behavior, they got an extraordinary revelation. They got an extraordinary revelation that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was about to be born. And actually, they didn't just get that simple revelation. They got a revelation of who he was and what he came to do. We know this because of the gifts that they brought. So, so the fact that they brought gold is significant. Because gold was the metal associated with kings. And they're saying, this little baby in this little house in Bethlehem is a king. Is the king, in fact. When they gave him frankincense, frankincense was was used in temple worship. It was used, um, kind of mixed with oil, uh, and it would anoint priests of Israel. Think about this. These were people who had this revelation, this... Put yourself in this position. Put yourself, you know, in the, in the position of, the, of the, the wise men, you know, wandering from, it's about kind of walking from Holland and getting to Paisley. <laughs> and finding a house, little baby, savior of the world. And think about the level of revelation these guys must have had. But they didn't just know that this was a savior. They knew how he was going to do it. They knew that he was was a king. They knew that he was going to be a priest, a high priest, the high priest. And the myrrh, which is an odd gift to give a child, is used for embalming the dead. And it... They even, in some way... 
it suggests here they understood that this was going to be the little baby that would grow up to the man who died to take the sins of the whole world away. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. Amazing. The staggering level of revelation. A staggering level of revelation. Level of revelation. <laughs> Revel of revel of revel. <laughs> Strange and weird people, but my goodness. They had found God. They had found God. It's interesting um, that they are described in verse 10 as men of great joy. We've got a few of them amongst us as well, haven't we? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy when they found him. They were people who were focused on the presence. There were people who, who journeyed for weeks so that they could be present with this little baby. Amazing, isn't it? And when they found the presence, they worshipped. People focused on the presence and people focused on worship. Extraordinary levels of revelation. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. We've got people like that among us and people who are kind of like reacting to what God's doing in that kind of way. You know, you know that kind of wild look in their eye. I've, I've been waiting for this. I've seen this. I've seen this before in a dream. I've seen it in a dream. I've got to be honest with you. I'm not one of these people. Well, that's okay. But my, thank God for people. Thank God for these wise men, eh? Amazing people who did, went through amazing, an amazing journey to just have the presence and just to worship. We need people like that. We need to celebrate people like that, even if they're a bit weird. You know, even if, even if they don't have a verse for it. I mean, that's the other thing that's interesting in this story, isn't it? You know, they, they tip up, that they tip up in, at Herod's and saying, you know, where is he who has born the king of the Jews? They have this extraordinary revelation, but, you know, they've, they've got no Bible. <laughs> so so where, 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 where's he going to be born? We, we, we actually, we've got, we've got part of the picture, but actually we need, we need something else if we're going to find him. Interesting. You know, incredible level, level of revelation about who Jesus is, but no revelation about who Herod really is at this stage. Isn't that interesting? But isn't that true? People who can walk in extraordinary levels of anointing and revelation in one area and not have a scooby in another. Isn't that true? And do you know, it's meant to be that way, actually. Because God is trying 
and has been trying for a long time just to say this to people who will listen, that you need one another. And I want it that way. Incredible. So that's the first bunch, the, uh, the, the, the wise men. And we've got a few, but they are wise. It's very important to honor them. They're wise men. They do wise things. Um, and they help us all. Now, the, the, the second um, person I want to focus on is, is a much less positive figure. It has to be said in this story. So I thought I'd just kind of sandwich them between two positive stories so that you'd all leave with a smile on your face. <laughs> um, the, kind of, the kind of summary um, phrase, I think, uh, in, in this passage um, is, is it says, Herod, uh, Herod the king, what does it say? When Herod heard that the king heard this, verse 3, he was troubled. He was troubled. He's a troubled man. Um, you know, the, the, the wise men are having dreams. Listen, this is Herod's worst nightmare. This is his worst nightmare. These people have tipped up. You know, they've got, they've got a gift that he's not got. You know, they, they've, they've, they've discerned something from the heavens that he hasn't. And he feels insecure. And, uh, you know, he, he, had no, he had absolutely no clue. Imagine that. Imagine, think your way into his head just for a second. You're the king. You are the king. And, uh, and this momentous event has happened 20 minutes down the road. And it takes a few folks from the other halfway around the world to come and tell you about it. How would you feel? You know, how could he have missed it? It was right under his nose. And yet he needed somebody else to let him know it was happening. But Herod was an insecure man, and actually he had good reason to be insecure. Um, According to the, the, the Jewish uh, historian Josephus, Herod was born in the southernmost region of, of Israel, and in Edom. And if you read back in the Old Testament, you realize that that is the place that was settled by Esau. And, of course, he was the son, not the son of promise. And... Uh, and actually, that kind of insecurity seems to have traveled down the generations and landed in this man, Herod. And actually, many of the, his own people would not really have considered him to be properly Jewish. And, uh, you know, they were... He, he, was, he, he didn't feel as though he belonged, even among his own people. And people who are like that, people who don't feel like they really belong among their own people get very insecure when God shows up. Isn't that true? Um, it's interesting that he searches the, 
What, what does he do? What does he do? So, so the, pro, the kind of prophetic people, the apostolic people, the weird folk from the East uh, arrive and, and give him the revelation that he's somehow managed to completely miss. And, and he gets, what does he do? He gets a Bible out. He says he searches, the, he searches the scriptures. But it's interesting how he searches the scriptures. He searches the scriptures with an agenda, with a question that he wants answered, and he's actually asking the wrong one. <laughs> you see, he's looking really in his heart for a reason that this can be stopped. And let me, let me tell you this, when God moves, if you are looking in the Bible for a reason for it to be stopped, you will find one. You will find one. People have always found one. If, that, if that's the kind of way they're coming to the Bible for a reason to stop it. And, and actually, the really tragic thing is that um, he, he, gets a, he gets a bit from the... Uh, he, get, he gets a bit from the Bible, you know, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for you shall become a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Which is amazing. And it's a quote from, from Micah chapter 5. But what's tragic is that he doesn't read on. <laughs> it's a kind of classic case of taking a verse, pulling it out of the context and saying, And actually, if he'd read on, he would, have, he would have discovered that this, this leader, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Herod should have read on. He should have read on. Because he would have discovered that actually this little boy was the answer for his insecurity. He was going to be his peace. He should have kept going and read a bit more. We just need to be careful when God moves. Because listen, we've all got insecurities, haven't we? I know I have. And we just need to be careful when God moves and he's always going to move and keep moving in different ways to the ones he has before. He's always going to be doing a new thing. He's always going to be leaping out of the boxes that we put him in. It's real, it's, I get really nervous when I hear people, you know, well-meaning people, you know, and, and that, that what ha- sometimes happens when God moves is it can kind of like create a sense of pride in people, like, you know, we've got God. And you kind of think, that may be working for you at this moment, but tomorrow that's going to be a disaster because God is going to leap out of that box that you're putting him in. And he's going to surprise you. And then what are you going to do? So God's always going to be moving in different ways. And we just need to, we need to take care of how we're managing that, 
how we're managing these insecurities, we need to make sure we read the whole of the passage, not just the one verse, because he shall be their peace. He was Herod's peace. What's amazing is that Herod, Herod used the same verse that the wise men used to find and worship God. He used that verse to try and kill him. Same verse. But one came at it with the idea this has to be stopped. And one came at it with the idea this has to be worshipped. It's really scary, <laughs> actually, that that could be true. Um, okay. You see, uh, in Proverbs 30, uh, verse this is 21 to 23, it says this, Under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes king. A fool when he is filled with food. An unloved woman when she gets a husband. And a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. You see, it's really scary when people who haven't had an inner transformation or haven't really understood who they are suddenly end up in a position of authority. Really scary. Because suddenly they've got the power to start killing babies if they want, if they're not secure. Suddenly their insecurities have a way to manifest themselves and affect other people's lives. And do you know that these insecurities, insecurities of exactly this nature, who am I really? They are at the core of the human condition before we encounter Jesus. Who am I is the fundamental question of life. And I think actually it has particular resonance in our culture. Um, this is an amazing book by Carol Craig, who is not a believer, but is very insightful on Scottish culture. This is what she says. Another way in which the feeling of worthlessness commonly manifests itself in Scotland is the fear of being found out. I was the first person in my family to attend university and I spent the first months fearing that I would be ejected from the lecture theatre because there had been some mistake. Other Scots tell similar stories. Pamela Stevenson maintains that Billy Connolly, for all, that's his, his wife, for all that he was exceptionally good at what he did, still felt like a fraud sometimes, a welder who hadn't been found out. Sometimes this type of fear relates specifically to how well a person can do things or how clever they are, but often it is just about whether they are a good or worthwhile person. According to Stevenson, Connolly started drinking and ultimately required therapy to help him cope with the feeling, general feelings of worthlessness engendered by his Glasgow boyhood. And this is a quote. On the surface, Billy's life was quite jolly, but inside he was lost. When he made public appearances, he arrived to great fanfare. He would open shops and cut ribbons while pipe bands played. A little voice, however, kept nagging him. 
It sounded a bit like his aunt. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve this. Harsh criticism can also contribute to feelings of worthlessness and low self-esteem. In the words of a Scots proverb, when I did well, I heard it never. When I did ill, I heard it ever. Listen, this is our culture. Or at least a particularly unpleasant aspect of it. So we're going to have to get really good at dealing with this. Because listen, the miracle of the gospel is that orphans become heirs. That people who are, you know, nothing suddenly are seated in heavenly places in Christ. We did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you know, this is such a sad story of Herod because in the end, you wonder what he was worried about because this massive move of God happened. And if he'd embraced it, this little boy would have been his peace as well as everyone else's. But actually, God moved and then nothing happened for 30 years. Isn't that weird? You think, wow, this is it. It's all happening. God, massive move of God. Nothing It didn't look like anything for 30 years. Herod could have ruled happily and much more securely if he'd embraced it. But he missed it. And the story ends with him dying and the purposes of God getting fulfilled anyway. You know, I, I am aware of probably some, not all, of my own insecurities. I desperately do not want to miss out on what God is doing in my generation because of my insecurities. So I need people around me that I can be open with. I can say, well, this is how I'm feeling about this. How are you feeling about it? I need to be known. I I can't be an isolated person because actually... In my isolation, what I find is that my insecurities breed other insecurities and breed other insecurities. I have to talk about it. And so do you. And so do we. So anyway, let's make this more positive and talk about Joseph. <laughs> and talk about Joseph. Joseph, summary, the summary statement of Joseph is he was a just man unwilling to put her to shame. What a man. What a man. Unwilling to put her to shame. Listen, you've got to think your way into Joseph's head. He's going to marry his sweetheart. He's just in love with this beautiful girl. And he's just so excited about Life together. Remember, for those of us who are married, remember just before. Remember that week just before you got married. Some of us, it will be harder to remember than others. <laughs> I tell you what, you just feel this amazing sense of optimism. This is, yeah, this, life is good. There's so much promise. You know, there's a reason why a lot of films end in marriages. Because they're great. You just feel like... <laughs> don't you well <laughs> well I did 
And, and I, I guess that's how Joseph felt too. And, and, and yet, then this news comes actually, Mary is pregnant. Wow. Think of how you must have felt. Think of how, I tell you what, if anything's going to land on insecurities, it will be that. It will be disappointments. Just things that you thought would work out in a different way. And God, it seems something's happening. I don't understand this. That is going to land on your insecurities. And we're going to see what you're really made of. You know, landed on he heard his insecurities, and he immediately thought, "Right, great. How can we kill it?" But what did Joseph do? He was unwilling to put her to shame. He was unwilling to defend himself. He was unwilling to punish. Actually, he had a right to punish under the law for this. He had a right to be vindicated and to be vindicated publicly so that people would know that this was Mary's fault and not his. That actually, so that everybody in the village could see that she was the one who had made this happen and he was an innocent, blameless man who treated her well. He had a right to do that. But he was unwilling he just wouldn't let himself do it. He was a gracious man. I tell you what, no wonder he raised his boy to protect that woman who was caught in adultery. No wonder. He was a gracious, gracious man. What did he do? It says this, he considered these things. He didn't react. He didn't just fly off the handle in his insecurity. He considered these things. He thought, at the very least, he thought, I'm going to sleep on it. At the very least, because, you know, the angel of the Lord visited him in a dream. At the very least, he thought, man, I am raging, but I'm just going to go to sleep. And tomorrow morning, I'll deal with it. <laughs> For some of us, that's a great thing. That would be a great thing if we could just do that. Before we fire off the email, you know, we're just going to sleep on it. We're just going to consider these things. Consider, I mean, maybe he's thinking, could there, be, could there be something that I am missing here? I mean, it seems spectacularly unlikely that I'm missing something. You know, we're not married. She's pregnant. I know it wasn't me. I, I don't think I'm missing anything. But you know what? I'm going to sleep on it. Because I am unwilling to... Pre- Listen, his love for Mary was such that he was prepared to absorb some of the shame and embarrassment that should have gone to her. And he was going to do this thing quietly. That's a culture of honor in a man. It wouldn't it be great if the people of God still acted like this? 
you know, you made a mistake, but actually, do you know what? We're not going to hang you out to dry. We're not going to do like the religious people do, which is make you stand over there and throw stones at you to show you that you are the bad one and that we are righteous. Actually, we're going to, we're going to protect you. What a man. What a man. He had an honorable character, and that gave God an opportunity to speak. Listen, this is the amazing thing about the culture of honor, or having honor among us, is that it gives God an opportunity to speak. Because it's not people just flying around, a bunch of orphans flying around making messes. And what does God do when he comes to him and speaks to him? This is just so beautiful. In verse 19, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. What does he do? First thing, he removes the fear. Do not be afraid. Man, Joseph must have just been really holding that fear in for, I don't want to do that. You're afraid, but you're trying not to be afraid. Have you ever experienced that? I'm terrified in here, but I'm really trying to hold it in because I don't want to make a mess. But the angel of the Lord says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And he helps him to see that this is a work of God. You know, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God's at work here. I love this. He gives him a position of extraordinary dignity in his plans. He says, she will bear a son, but you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from from their sins. You will call him Jesus. Wow, what a place of dignity, a place of honor. This man, Joseph, gets to name the Son of God. Gets to declare, he is Jesus. He is Yahweh who will save his people. Which is what what Jesus means, Yeshua, what Yeshua means. And then the fourth thing is he applies the Bible properly. <laughs> Don't you just love God? <laughs> All this took place to fulfill what the word has, Lord has spoken by the prophet. And suddenly you think, ah, yeah, I get it now. Some of us need a verse. Are you like that? I need a verse. I'm wired that way. It's like I want a verse. I want to just know that, I don't know. I don't know why that. Why, do I like, why am I like that? I don't know. But I want a verse. And some of you are like that as well. And sometimes you just get a wee bit scared because you think, ah, oh, I just, mm, where is it in here? Listen, that's okay. God will visit you. He will come to you and he will give you a verse. So Joseph then fulfilled all that God had for him to do. And he allowed God to expand him. He didn't shrink God. He allowed God to expand him. And so all, he expanded him all the way till he became the earthly dad of his only son. Wow. 
what could God expand you to being if you let him? If you didn't, if you held your reactions in, if you sat on your insecurities and spoke to people about them and were honest and vulnerable and you just gave him a chance, what could he expand you into? Wow. Amazing. Listen, the point of all this, and it's really important that we get this, the point of all this is this, that the world gets its savior. You know, I talk a lot about, we talked a lot today about what's happening in this room or in this family, but the point of all this, we need to remember, is that the world gets the savior. You know, Joseph's character his personal just I am going to be honorable no matter what his personal decision his unwillingness to go down another route meant that the world got its savior and that friends that's what it's all about Jesus said it you know the world will know that you're my disciples for the love that you have for one another the implication is if you don't love each other, who's going to know? <laughs> and listen, what Jam was sharing in her testimony, that's, you know, that's the goal. You know, that's the extra time winner <laughs> in the cup final. Somebody who it's just carrying anxiety and fear their whole life, encountering the love of his Savior. Actually, Jesus came to, to earth for that guy. You know, he had him in mind when he was hanging on a cross. He was thinking, I'm taking his fear away. I'm taking his anxiety away. That's the point. That if we can allow God to expand us, Glasgow, the tens of thousands like this guy, will get to experience the fact, the reality, that he is their peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on.